I wanted to ask about your background. Sure. Uh, in general, or as it relates to uh, the topic at hand? Um, mostly, in like, basically, it's how how far your background reaches out from before in, engaged and and pre or and during that. Sure. So I uh, I was involved um, more in grassroots activism during college, and at that time, uh, a bunch of individuals approached me about starting a company or trying to build a product. Um, I was ready to go to law school at that time, or was planning on it, and so. Um, the product seemed very cool. It was about canvassing, political canvassing, using like smartphone technology. This is all pre-iPhone back in like 2003, 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually offered them if they came up and lived with me while I was in law school that I would drop out and move to D.C. and try to make it happen if they showed me they were serious, and they did. So that's what we did, and um, we uh, we ended up um, interfacing with a firm that gave us some investment from a technology standpoint. They uh, gave us a team of developers. We built the product too soon to market. Thing ended up failing. Um, but as a result of that, I got involved sort of to pay the bills as we were working on this. I got involved with working with different organizations uh, using some of the connections I made throughout my activist days uh, in order to do digital for them, which ranged from um, website development and design uh, at that point, uh, SEO was sort of a, uh, a budding new area that, uh, particularly if you were doing it well and not just um, taking advantage of people. Um, so we did that, and I also was involved in, in advertising and social. And when the when the product ended up not working out, many of these clients that I worked with asked me to stay on board. So for several years, I ran a uh, uh, my own agency, which was really just I had two people working for me and. Um, and I was coordinating a lot of subcontractors and playing sort of conductor translator um, between uh, the various skill sets. In 2010, I was hired, uh, based on some of the work that I did, I was hired by the Republican Governors Association and acted as their web director for the 2010 cycle. Um, built a few web applications for them uh, during that time, as well as a whole host of websites. That was really focused, like I said, uh, as we talked earlier, a lot of that was more focused on the actual um, conversion element rather than the, the marketing and advertising element. Um, but after that cycle, I uh, was approached by the founder, uh, Patrick Ruffini of Engage, to come sort of build out a production team for him at Engage um, and did that and have been doing that in various capacities since then. Our organization um, works with companies really of a whole host of varieties. We do a lot of uh, public affairs and advocacy work for um, Fortune 500 uh, and other corporations. We do uh, website branding, uh, identity work, uh, website development, uh, and web application development for a host of organizations that have interest in and around Washington, uh, namely trade associations, think tanks, uh, and other nonprofits, as well as some political organizations. And then we also provide advertising and uh, sort of social advertising services um, for a range of clients as well. So, in regards to in, Engage's strategy, so you have you said that in terms of uh, political associations, so you work with different because uh, you work with the House Republican or Engage works with the House Republicans Committee, right? So, if you're talking House Republican Conference uh, yeah. in, on in the Hill. Um, 
they were a client of ours for a while in a couple of different capacities, but most of that was website design and development. Uh, we did some application development work for them as well as some branding with them. Um, um, they were an active client from that perspective for, for several years. Um, now we work with them mostly on supporting uh, the assets that we've created. Because Matt, because before you said that you don't work too much into the, the reach of digital strategy, but you can still say though that that does have an an influence on how strategy works. Can Can you clarify that statement? I mean, because before, because digital strategy is different from like advertising or like the sure. way that web web design is, but it's still the way that it's that it's uh, what do you call it? The way that that it's made and developed, mm-hmm. it still has a way to reach out to different people. Like for if for voters, if they want to look look at the the website in terms of how it's designed, how it's reaching out to people. Sure, it's, it's kind of like I'm trying to phrase it differently. No, it's a fair statement to be made. That there's a there's a couple I think nuggets of wisdom in there. The first one is that digital strategy. It's a very broad term, and people use it differently. But the truth is you're looking at a holistic approach to one's digital efforts. Um, how, do you, I, how do you produce things for those who are using uh, uh, your, org, your organization, your organization's uh, product or organization's information? How do, you, how do you understand those folks and create something for them online uh, that's going to ultimately be both useful for, for what you're trying to accomplish as well as useful for them? And then how do you, how do you find them and make sure that they know about that which you're producing? And all of the things that go into that, um, I think, make up, when we're talking about digital assets, make up digital. All that being said, too, though, there's another interesting point, which is that 10 years ago, digital was its own thing. It was a line item. It was an afterthought. Many communications departments today are integrated. There is no, there's the, the line between digital and non-digital is very blurry because there are so many different components that have to be considered, especially now with data and analytics being able to... Uh, have a better understanding of who your users are, what they're trying to accomplish, and then produce something that's going to ultimately be a bigger value add for them is something that's organizational. It flows out of the, sort of out of the top uh, and impacts digital, but impacts everything as well. And digital helps inform those decisions, um, but so does polling and other sources of non-digital uh, reach. So I do want to thank you for bringing that point up about analytics because in the last 20 years, we've had a, a detrimental change in how digital is used in terms of micro-targeting, in terms of sure. not just campaigning, but everything in general. Right. I think because especially with, with your work, you've been able to use that in a different way. Not if, Even if it's just for uh, web design or development, you can mm-hmm. use it to essentially uh, in a way target everyone in a simple way. So oh, absolutely. Would you say that because you said that with digital media, it's, it's broad like that. But would you say that in the last 10 years, it's been a much harsher shift than in the previous 10 years? Well, so it's it was very linear back in the day. It was like, here's this digital, here's this non-digital. How are they going to work together? Now everything is so integrated in every aspect of what you do. You, there's just There are just a host of moving parts that really have to be coordinated. Uh, and so as the technologies evolve, it, it, it makes for more of a, just a broader 
sense of what's there as opposed to a move from one place to another. So analytics have always been important to an organization and long before there was such a thing as digital. But what digital brings to the table is the ability to collect information that's, like you said, more specific, but also more quickly. So you can learn faster, you can evolve faster, you can ultimately uh, produce something that's going to be better for your constituents if you're an office or your um, uh, you know, your volunteers or whoever your user base might be. So in regards to your own personal preference, because there's two mm-hmm. very different different ways to explain it. On the one hand, you can say that with the, the revolutionizing of me- digital media, we've been able to both um, both spectrums, many both sides of the spectrum have been able to incorporate into their campaigning and different digital mm-hmm. firms, both public and Democrat, have been able to use that. Mm-hmm. Would you say that beneficial to us because it gives us a way to figure out how to best get um, get out voter outreach or would you say that we may be going too close to the sun so i think it's basically it's a superpower because because it's something that we're not used to uh, and all of a sudden it's there and superpowers can be used for good or they can be used for evil and i think the biggest problem we have right now especially when we're talking about data and especially as that becomes more and more almost personally identifiable, is how are we going to regulate the use to make sure that it's benefiting those who who have an opportunity to be benefited by it and not taking advantage of those who might not realize they could be taken advantage of. I think that's the biggest thing. Right now we don't have really a governing body. I almost think that there's an argument to be made for um, exploring that. Um, but th- this is an aside. This is a personal opinion. I'm not speaking on behalf of Engage. Um, so, uh, but I do think that in general, um, you know, it, it can be a huge benefit because you're really, what you're really talking about is a capability for organizations to, to actually find their users and communicate and understand them better, uh, which allows you to produce something for them that's going to be more beneficial. Now, if you're doing that and using that same uh, technology to sort of manipulate people or to um, get involved in that perspective, that, I don't, uh, that's definitely not a good thing. Um, and I think you see you see some of that, particularly, uh, you know, how just how vehemently uh, uh, confrontational things can get on Facebook uh, and in other and in other places. Um, I think it's in everyone's best interest to uh, sort of align onto what the what the goals are here and make sure that we're holding one, each other accountable to that. Uh, and that's that's not just an individual organizational thing. That's the platforms as well. And yeah, I think they're making efforts to do that too. By the way, I, I think it's not something that happens overnight. Especially because, like like I said before, it blew up after like because Facebook. Once Facebook came around, it was a little slow and gradual. But then once all the other companies started popping up, all the information started flowing like a river. Right. Right. So. With that, would you say that companies like Engage are going to be using these kind of tools more strategically, or do you think that it's going to just we're going to probably continue the trend of like going like continue and go along with the new tools? So I I think that for the most part, companies like Engage, we we are as forward thinking as we can be, but we also are living in a world right where we're a business and our business has to uh, has to basically, uh, you know, sustain ourselves. And so that you, what you do, you do the same thing for our clients as our clients are doing for their users. You want to make sure that you're giving people what they want. Um, and so 
in terms of the tools that we use, it's mostly, um, you know, we have our approach to how we develop things. And again, my focus is really on building websites, building products, uh, and building brands. I'm not really as involved in the other aspects of um, what's out there. Uh, I'm, very, I'm, I'm close to them in the sense that I know what they are and I follow them, but it's really not something that I'm spending my time on. That All that being said, um, I do think it changes, the, the environment changes so much that you, you know, it's in it's in a company's best interest to just adapt to sort of what's being used out there. Now, what's being used out there is something that's not good, <laughs> something that's harmful and taking advantage of people, then no, that's not in, in my interest or should be in anyone's interest to exploit those technologies or capabilities. But uh, if it is something that, you know, that you have access to, um, and you know, like Twitter advertising or something, um, then I think that, you know, I think that as long as it's going to provide a benefit to your client and your client's end users, it's something that should be explored. Um, but this environment really does change quite dramatically. What was, you know, used five years ago is not necessarily what's being used today, and I suspect that five years from now we'll be talking about a whole different host of things. Yeah, I think. A lot of it is true, and the with the growing technology, you never know what it's going to bring. It's kind of like a Pandora's box, but you don't know. It could be very beneficial, like you said. So, and especially for business, you're going to want to use it without exploiting people. So, I, I'm I'd be more interested to hear what you know specifically. Uh, are there things that you're interested in, um, you know, that you're interested in learning about or pursuing that I could provide any kind of valuable insight for? Uh, sure. Um, basically, because I I'm, what what happened is this all came out from a paper about a year ago. Okay. Uh, but um, it was it was mostly on the topic of political polarization and how digital mm. media affects it. Um, right. Because I want I wasn't sure like what your um, thinking about it was, but like mm-hmm. I I wrote because I have arguments for both sides because it can both cause it and not. But do you right. feel especially with like Twitter and Facebook? Do you think that it can be um it, like, do you see very? Do you see a lot of evidence that points towards those two platforms causing this? So I think in general, it, the, the platforms might be reinforcing principles that have an opportunity to, to be more solidly re- realized based on the fact that the connections are so uh, so real time. And that's and this is my personal opinion. Again, it seems like more and more individuals are looking for. Um, or they have been looking for an echo chamber. They're looking to solidify their place within their own social networks and social constructs more than they are um, to really like delve into a lot of the topics at hand. And so um, I think a lot of these tools are allowing people to um, just do that at a more rapid level and do it more publicly. So things that might've been happening at coffee shops and, you know, dinner parties are now being taken place in a public forum. And so certainly people want to uh, identify with other folks who identify with them uh, because they like to hear that. Uh, and I think there's a certain amount of people who are interested in, in debate, uh, and that does happen. But you, everyone has to be on the same page about what's happening and have an open mind for that to be productive. Uh, the biggest issue you have is the, <laughs> the concept of fake news and false information that's being spread um, that's, that might be shaping people's shaping people's views or beliefs in a way that is not warranted. And in many ways, that's if someone is being shaped, having their views shaped um, because they're trusting a platform, 
uh, even though that uh, there's information that's false, um, you know, that person could be seen as take, being taken advantage of. And that's, I think that's not okay. And I think Facebook's taking measures to try to um, prevent that. And I think a lot of organizations are trying to, trying to do the same. But uh, where, whose job is it, right, to, be, to hold individuals accountable for spreading truth? <laughs> Uh, and should it be somebody's job? These are very, I think, these are like the real questions of our time. So would you say like there should be further regulation on this kind of topic? So, I, you know, I think from an idealist perspective, yeah. I think there should be some kind of way to know if the things you're reading are true. But at the same time, you know, from a, like a practical standpoint, I don't know the best way. And it's because I'm not an expert in these things and I haven't studied them. I don't know the best way to to implement that and how, how do you um, how do you oversee that especially if Facebook is a platform for sharing information it's not necessarily a platform for pushing in the uh, kind of ideas or ideals it's really allowing conversations that might be happening offline to, to happen online and if people are saying things that are not true offline uh, should there be a regulating body for that uh, it seems like the answer is probably no you don't want someone coming in and saying like you can't say that that's not true so uh, it's it's quite a dilemma, one that I, do, I don't have a specific answer for, but one that I do spend quite a bit of time thinking about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very, it's it's a hard topic to talk about because it's, you either go against it and you have to regulate, because a lot of it comes down to how those businesses operate. So it's kind of like, do you interfere in that or do you have to just go with it? But the other thing sure. is, is that um, other companies have been able to use it to their advantage, both right. in a bad, like in both a malevolent and in a, a good way, I guess. Like right. Cambridge Analytica is, I probably, I think the most popular oh, yeah. because <laughs> they've say what you will, they have been able to use it effectively, even if it was for a more malevolent way. So right. they've been able to micro-target and use these platforms, especially Facebook, to mold these echo chambers, and they're able to use it to their advantage. I mean, look at and like we know that there are, uh, I assume to be formal foreign institutions, but even if they're informal, there are organizations out there literally dedicated to generating content under fake identities in order to persuade people. Uh, it's almost like you know that's just a that's just such a difficult that's just such a difficult thing. first it's a difficult thing to grasp and understand, and then how do you filter through those things? Um, it's essentially. And again, is it going to be a platform for open communication or is it going to be, and if so, like, does that mean, what, what are the limits of free speech? Because also dealing with situations, right, where people are, are talking about conversations and, and maybe they are leading to negative behaviors or, or things that are, are really hateful in nature. Uh, you know, I always have this, <laughs> uh, I always have this saying that I say that's very hypocritical, which is like, I really don't hate anything except for hate, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, it's, but so it's like one of these things where how do you how do you get in there uh, and whose role is it? And that's what I keep coming back to. You. Um, just because somebody just because someone can do something doesn't mean that they should. How do you get organizations to at least take some kind of a, a stance to say this is not something we're going to be part of? Um, maybe it has to start. Maybe it has to start as a bottom up approach in order for that accountability to you know have some have some kind of uh, credibility or reach. What do you think? I think it's, it, it's a tough thing to grasp, but I, I think really, I mean, you can go for both ways. I'm I'm mm -hmm. usually known for basically saying I agree with both sides. 
Um, But um, I think that in regard to this, I think there should be some form of regulation in terms of it because Mm -hmm. Facebook has been shown to be kind of twisting that because they are a business. Facebook and Twitter are business. So they're going to want to use this to their advantage because they want to make their customers happy. So I think, and that's not necessarily, um, it's, it's really, it's their goal. They're, that's what they have to do. If they don't, then their business will not flourish. So, because especially in, in this day and age and how it's used. So I think that there should be some form of oversight. Mm-hmm. I don't know the extent of that, but I think that... Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Because if there's no oversight at all, then they're just gonna, it's going to keep going. More companies like Cambridge are going to try to use that because 2020 is, well, a few months. It's here. Left, it's, here. Gonna, it's here. It's <laughs> here, yeah. So especially with the election, especially when June hits next year, when it mm-hmm. goes full throttle, it's going to be worse than last year or the last sure. election. And the other thing is, though, is that we're only, this is new technology. It's, te- it's only been a few years, few years young. So right. in a few years, we, as soon as we finally grasp this and, and finally find some way to regulate how the information is spread, there's going to be a whole new generation of information coming out. Right. It seems like there, there's really a couple of different buckets. There's the technology itself. As that evolves, where do you get involved from an ethical standpoint? Let's, you know, even if you look at farther at things like AI and some of the yeah. other technologies that we know are coming down the road, who's there? Who's there to stand in the way of what we deem as a society, society to be evil and say you can't do that or you can do that? Uh, so, so that's one thing, technology in and of itself. The second thing is um, the use of these platforms for for hateful or malevolent behavior, even if it's just from a communication standpoint, which is really a free speech issue. And, but, but, you know, uh, there's there's limits to everything, particularly when those limits have outcomes that are not necessarily speech-related. And, and these are private organizations who can do or say something if they wanted to. And then the third one is data, right? It's like who's going to be setting the standard on how data can be used, uh, what, it, what it can be used for, um, how, how you take control of it, whether you own it or not, especially as, you know, the, the, the technology component increases. You have, you know, personally identifiable health data. You have your own financial data. And then you just have other data, like, you know, your, your usage of the things that you buy, et cetera. How are, how are we going to, as a society, make sure that all of these things, which really don't have much precedent because of the scale uh, and the rate, the exponential rate of advancement within them, how, how do we get ahead of it as opposed to be pulled, you know, sort of pulled behind it, reacting to it after things happen that are not great? Uh, and again, don't know the answer to it, but I think the fact that, you know, we're having these discussions and other folks are having these discussions is good because it means that people care about that. And I think uh, as long as we're, we're, we're moving to try to get to a solution that's certainly better than than the worst thing that we can have, which is pure apathy to the scenario. Yeah, especially because having the conversation at least gives some kind of, even if you don't agree on like a certain, like if there should be uh, regulation on it, at least people acknowledge that there is something flawed about this technology. Right. Totally. One thing I want to say too, you know, when, you know, we do do some work in the House, which we talked about, the House of Representatives, but none of this is regarding outreach. Or, I mean, we have to hold very high security standards consistent with the, um, you know, consistent with the, uh, the House of Representatives on standards. Um, but those are government offices, right? And government offices 
um, as they reach out to their constituents, obviously, probably they do have a governing entity that they are they are working for the people, and right, uh, and they do have to hold whatever standards I'm sure that they would need to hold outside of the digital space. But um, when it comes to just pure, you know, private organizations, um, you want to be able, you want to make sure that they can, I guess, they can benefit their users as as much as they can, because again, for a lot of folks. The appeal of data is not to do some sort of evil thing in a lab. <laughs> the appeal of data is to be able to understand your users better so that the things that you're making for them, if you're making products um, or the type of content you're producing for them, is going to just be most relevant to them. I do, you know, from my conversations that I have with folks that I've worked with, both from, uh, you know, from a colleague standpoint um, as well as from you know, professional relationship standpoint is people are largely sitting around the table asking, how do we do better for our people? That's the, and that it to me is, is wonderful. Those are the types of relationships and engagements I want to be part of. Uh, and I think that if it's, if it's the alternative, you know, we, we need to, <laughs> we need to take it. If you see something, say something approach. Uh, and you know, but that's just not something that we, we, you know, we're fortunate enough to not be in a position where those are the types of conversations we have to have. I haven't been come across anybody to date uh, who who is sort of taking that, I guess, what you would call the malevolent approach, <laughs> which I think is a good thing because I talk to a lot of people. Well, it's good though you work in that kind of environment. Yeah. But um, this was a very exciting. Yeah. Lack of another it was a great conversation. No, it was, good. it was a great conversation. I'm really I'm really glad that uh, you know that you're focusing on on this topic. Thank you. But I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Yeah, you as well. Thank you for your time. And, you know, let me know if there's anything else I can ever do for you. I enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. I highly appreciate it.